All right, well, we are in week two of our series titled Shift. And the heart behind this series is something that God wants for all of us, and that is to shift the way we see the world, shift the paradigm through which we see um, the world through. And one of the verses we shared last week that's kind of, you're going to hear every week of this series is Romans 12 too. The Apostle Paul wrote a majority of the New Testament. He writes, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And we said this last week, our behaviors, our, our beliefs drive our behaviors. Now let me just tell you, if I believe that this stool is going to hold up all 200 plus pounds of solid muscle in my body. I'm more apt to sit on it because I believe that. It drives my behavior. It allows me to sit on this stool. If I believe that coming to church will benefit my life and, and benefit my children's lives, I'm more prone to attending regularly than if I don't because of the way I think and believe. This is so powerful. Paul is actually revealing um, something so important to your life and mine, that transforming into a new person, a better person, the person that God has always dreamed you could be, starts where? With the way you think. By changing the way you think. So last week we talked about unity and changing the way we think about others, specifically other churches in this area, because God calls us the church, um, he calls us a community, um, and he calls us the body of Christ, he calls us to unity. And so we talked about that last week. If you um, missed it, go online, you can watch or listen to it at kensingtonorlando.org and you can catch up. This week we are talking about purity. And when I say the word purity, most of us immediately think a certain kind of purity. It starts with an S and it ends with a UL, and that's sexual purity, right? That's when I say purity, we're going to talk about purity, go, oh gosh, here comes the sex talk. Okay, we're not going to birds and bees it this morning, all right? We're not going to go there. Um, but it's appropriate that you would think about that because our culture is so hypersexualized that we don't even see how much this has permeated our lives. But purity is actually more than sexual purity. When you go to the Bible um, and you go to the dictionary, believe it or not, Webster's Dictionary um, gives us a definition of purity as freedom from immorality. That's what purity is, freedom from immorality. It's being sinless, it's being blameless, it's being holy and upright and righteous, living a clean, pure, holy life. And this is an interesting thing to talk about with people. You know, as a pastor, I talk to non-Christians regularly. I talk to them, well, tell me about your spiritual journey. Why, why haven't you crossed the line of faith? What do you think about becoming a Christian? And I've said, well, I don't want to become a Christian because I can't have any fun. If I'm a Christian, it's no fun. And they'll just say, I'm, I'm not going to be able to do anything I want as far as drinking and dating and lying and cheating and stealing and sleeping around and the language I use and the things I look at on my computer and, and, and my smartphone. I'm not going to be able to do whatever I want. So that's not any fun to be a Christian. Well, what's interesting, when I talk to Christians about truly following Jesus Christ in every area of their life, purity is where a lot of Christians are unwilling to give up or change their way of thinking and living. They say, well, if I give God every area of my life and I'm pure in every area, then I won't be able to do anything as, thing that I want as far as drinking and dating and lying and cheating and stealing and sleeping around and language I use and looking at whatever I want on my computer or smartphone. It's fascinating how we view this thing called purity, and my hope today is to change the way we think about it. Because I know that changing the way we think about purity is the first step to actually becoming a different person, which all of us are here to do. 
So let me pray for us. Jesus, I thank you so much that your word so clearly states your intentions, your heart, your love for us, and the direction that you have for our lives, the creator of our lives. God, I pray that you would um, allow us to um, break free some of the ways we've thought about this, this, this uh, idea of purity. And I pray that you would change the way we see it, change the way we think about it, God, so that we might be more in alignment with the way you see it and the reasons why you want us to live a certain way. God, I pray that you would just lead us to where you want us to go today. Speak loud and clear. Help us to get rid of the, any distractions we walked in here with. God, I pray that you would just clear the room right now so that we might hear your words and your truth come right out and speak directly to each one of us in your holy name. Amen. Now, I want to start out speaking to anyone in the room that's not a Christian, okay? Um, you haven't crossed the line of faith every weekend, every service. We have people here that are checking out the God thing. They haven't crossed the line of faith and said, okay, I'm all in for doing this. Um, I want to talk to you. I want to tell you two things. One, I'm glad you're here, and I'm just grateful that you would even check out the, the God thing and, and, and even look at your spiritual journey um, here at Kensington with us. And the second thing I want to say to you is today, you're off the hook, okay? You're off the hook. You're not accountable for what we are going to be talking about today and what we're going to read from the Bible. And, and so today you're off the hook. Um, and, you know, I, I don't, you're, you don't have to follow any of the stuff that I'm about to talk about. In fact, you might even look at it and go, man, I'm glad I'm not a Christian today because I'd have to live that way. Um, but here's what I would say to you. I would just challenge you um, in, in this talk, as you're on your spiritual journey, I'd invite you to try some of the things we're going to talk about today. I'd invite you to really um, change the way you think for a day or a week and see how that plays out in your life um, because I think your life will be impacted by even a day of, of taking the principles that we're going to talk about today and applying them to your life for just a day. You'll notice a difference. Now, when it comes to purity, um, very few people in our world are willing to live a pure life. And there's a reason for that. A lot of us, we have a pet sin or two that we aren't willing to give up. Um, many of us, we have a habit or a part of our life that we keep in the dark, kind of away from the church, away from our friends, away from our spouse. Um, and so for many of us, when we think about living a pure life, the idea of living a totally pure life is just too difficult. It's like, how, how can you even do that? Where do you even begin? Why? Because immorality is everywhere in our culture. If you haven't noticed this, um, it's woven into the fabric of our music, our TV, our movies, our commercials. Um, we, we, we run into it with our friends in our workplace. Um, I have the uh, privilege of being the chaplain for the Orlando Magic, and obviously I'm not very good at it because we're terrible, um, but um, I try really hard, right? No, I'm just kidding. This year, watch us. We're going to be better. We've made some really good moves. The new GM and, and, uh, and, and uh, president is fantastic, and we've got some really good new young players going on, so, so pay attention this year. Um, but years ago, I was mentoring one of the young Magic players, and uh, we were reading through Galatians, um, which is another book that Paul wrote, uh, the Apostle Paul, and we read this passage together. It was Galatians 5.19. And Paul writes, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Like there's more? Like golly. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I'll never forget, we read that passage. And he just looks up at me and he's just got this forlorn look on his face and he just goes, Kevin, this is the NBA life. Like, this is my life. 
everywhere I go. This is what I find. I don't even know how to begin not being around this and having this be a part of my life. And you know what's interesting? I looked at him and I said, you know what? You know what's crazy is it's not just your life. It's every one of us. We all live in this world that is permeated by sexual immorality and impurity and lustful pleasures. And go on down the list of outbursts of anger and selfish ambition. My life has been impacted by our culture because you go, oh, well, you're a pastor, so you're not impacted by that. You've probably been perfect your whole life. And I have been, but let me tell you a story. Um, <laughs> just pornography grabbed me at an extremely young age um, with magazines in my friend's dad's VHS tapes that they had hidden in their garage, one of them being a pastor. And it became an addiction of mine. It was something I kept in the dark until my mid-20s, post-marriage. And then 11 years ago, our lives changed, your life and mine, and suddenly smartphones became the craze. And since the smartphone has come of age, a whole new level of darkness has entered into our culture. Do you know that there are apps specifically designed to bring impurity into your lives and hide it in the dark so that no one can find it, even if they've got your phone in their hand and have all the passwords? It's put in our pocket ways to see what you used to have to work really hard to see. Now it's just go in a room where no one else is there. Heck, stay in a room where somebody else is there. And you have access to stuff that we never had access before to the point where the impurities that are allowed into our lives are beyond where they've ever been, in my opinion, because of the access that we have. And so the question becomes, how do you live a life of, of purity? It's too difficult. How do you get away from it? Why even try? What's the payoff if I live a life of purity? No one else around me seems to be doing it either, so, so, so what's the deal? And so this is where I want to begin to shift our thinking a little bit. Why even try to live a life of purity, free from immorality? It's because in God's economy, you know, the benefits are enormous to purity. There are blessings that are attached to purity. There are so many scriptures that say, if you will do this, then I will. This is God talking. Bless you. Let me just give you a few examples. Purity shows up in one of the most famous sermons that Jesus ever gave, the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus shared the Beatitudes. Matthew 5, 8. God blesses those who are pure in heart, for they will see God. And not only is this promising blessing, but Jesus is actually speaking about a relationship with God. That if your heart is pure, you will be blessed by God. And on top of that, you will see him. You will experience him. You will have proximity to him. You will be in relationship with him. You will be close to God. Some of you wonder why you're so far from God right now. Look at your life. Are you, are, is your heart pure? Because Jesus tells us that you are blessed if your heart is pure. And you will see God up close. What a benefit. That's not all when it comes to living a life of significance which every single one of us wants to leave a legacy that is significant to not only our family but the world around us, living a life of significance. Purity is a part of that. 2 Timothy 2, 21. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Now, that special utensil, you can just substitute the word tool because <laughs> tool is usually a bad thing. This one is a compliment. You will be a tool. For God. And if for God is attached to you being a tool, that's a great thing. 
Your life will be clean and you'll be ready for the master to use you for every good work. If you keep yourself pure, free from immorality, you will be uniquely used. You'll be uniquely used by God and you will find purpose and meaning that is beyond anything this world can offer because your life will be clean and God can use a clean life. All of us want to fulfill a higher purpose than existing. Purity is a pathway to that, but, but wait, there's more. Purity is a part of fulfilling God's calling in your life. 1 Thessalonians 4, God has called us, those who believe, to live holy lives, not impure lives, meaning you will fulfill the calling from God on your life by living a holy life. What does a holy life mean? It means set apart, different than, other than the culture, other than everyone else, by being pure and clean. Not in an I am better than you way, but in a I want to represent God with how I live. I want to be usable for God and his purposes. I want to be a tool in God's hands. I want all the blessings that God has to offer. And I'm just telling you, purity unlocks blessings in your life. Now, notice, this is really, I want to make a distinct line here, a distinct difference. Um, None of these verses were about salvation. None of them were about salvation. This isn't, if you live a pure life, then you'll make it to heaven. Not one verse that I share that you will find in the New Testament that talks about purity, that you will find that says if you, if you, if you live a pure life, you'll enter heaven. You won't find a verse in here that says, well, if you live a pure life, God will then love you. Because he doesn't if you're unpure, but if you're pure, he'll then love you. There, you're not going to find that. You're already loved by God. He proved it on the cross. You're saved by grace, and you can't do anything to earn salvation. It's given to you as a free gift by God the moment you express your desire to believe who Jesus said he was and invite him into your life. These verses are simply stating that a life of purity leads to, results in God's blessings in your life, God's direction in your life, God's purposes for your life being fulfilled, and God's calling on your life being realized. And I haven't met a single person that doesn't want that in their life. This is telling us how to get there. So what's a life of purity? It's simple. A life of purity means doing the right things at the right times, in the right ways, for the right reasons. A life of purity, simple, means doing the right things at the right times, in the right ways, for the right reasons. Go do that and you'll be pure. Message over, band come out, we're good. Right? It's that simple. This is simple. It's simple. Do the right things, right times, right ways, for the right reasons. Not that hard. But yet, we all struggle with it every day. And I'll just tell you, it's a, it's a lifelong struggle. There's a point in my life where doing the right things at the right times, in the right ways, for the right reasons, didn't matter to me. And it was like middle school, early high school. Um, uh, you know, purity wasn't something I wanted to pursue with God. I knew God, and I had even accepted him, but I wasn't really interested in, per, in pursuing purity. In fact, me and my cousin, we used to do, we used to take advantage of Walmart all the time, and I didn't think anything of it. Like, we would literally go into Walmart, just so you can kind of get an idea of where my head was at, the way I thought um, as a young man. Um, we would go into Walmart, and this was back before barcodes and scanners and, you know, the whole computer revolution. Um, I think they still have the green screens in Walmart when we would do this, but we'd go into Walmart, we'd get arrowheads in the sporting department, they came in a box about like that, worth about 70 bucks. Well, we'd go get those little arrowheads, and we'd walk around the store and slowly peel off the sticker that had the price on it. We'd grab another item that cost about $5, and we'd walk around the store, and we'd carefully peel the $5 sticker off and put it right on top of the arrowhead, and then we'd go buy it for 5 bucks. We'd walk out of Walmart, 
wait a couple days, come back in, take the sticker off and walk up to customer service and just go, hey, I need to return this, but I lost the receipt. And they would go, oh, where'd you get it from? Oh, we got it from down there in uh, the sporting department. They'd call the sporting department, hey, how much are these arrowheads? Here's the name on the box, $70, okay. What would you like to do? Well, I'd like the cash value, and if you don't have the cash value, I'll just take in-store credit and we'd go buy what we wanted. And here's what's interesting. I know some of you are going, well, that's really brilliant. I know, right? Others of you are going, you are a heathen, you little thief. And I'm like, both are true, okay? Both are true. But as God began to get a hold of me, my way of thinking started changing to the point where that just wasn't okay to do. Why? Because it wasn't right. It wasn't the right way. It wasn't for the right reason. It wasn't, wasn't uh, the way that God wanted me to live. And that became not okay. My way of thinking began to change. And I began to follow God in every area of my life. There was a shift in my thinking. And I, I don't do it perfectly still. I still struggle with sin, doing things my own way over God's way. But I'll just tell you, I've come a long way and I'm continuing to journey because I think this pursuit of purity is a lifelong pursuit. It's not a, okay, got it done, because you can get it done, and then an iPhone will come out. That's a whole other layer you got to work through to figure out how do you live your life in purity with something that's in your pocket that you have access to all the stuff you set your whole life up to not do anymore. But I'll just tell you this, as I look back and I look at my journey, my journey to purity, because I know you're thinking, well, you're a pastor, you never make mistakes. Yes, I do. You don't struggle with anything. Yes, I do. I struggle just like you. As I've looked at my journey to to purity, to living a life of purity, I, they're just, I could just give you, gosh, I could probably count a hundred blessings in my life because of the pursuit of purity. Not salvation, wasn't saved because I'm pure, just because I've pursued unlocking the blessings that are attached to purity. So what I want to do is I want to walk us through some steps to living a life of purity, no matter where you're at on your spiritual journey. If you just take the next step in your life, you'll be blown away at the blessings that come your way. It, it, it is that simple, and I don't want to oversimplify Christianity, but it's that simple. God says, if you do this, I'll do that, and he always fulfills his promises. So um, I've bro broken it down into five steps on the path to purity, and the first step is this. It starts with your mind. It's refocus your thoughts. It's refocus your thoughts, and I just want to encourage you to write some of these down. Refocus your thoughts. Um, Philippians 4, 8, Paul writes, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts tie your thoughts to, attach everything you think about to what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then, if, then the God of peace will be with you. What does it mean to fix your thoughts? It means to Think about what's true and honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about those things on a daily basis. I was at a high school retreat, and I'll just tell you what started to turn the corner for me in high school. I'm at this retreat at a home in Groves, Texas, where I grew up. I went to this retreat because the girls were pretty, and I thought, man, I could spend a weekend with these really cool girls and get to know them and maybe get a girlfriend out of the deal. And what happened was on that weekend, God began to press this truth, this actual verse, deep into my heart. There was this guy that was speaking there over the weekend, and he took this verse, and he took it just as is, and he wrote a song with this as the lyrics. And I just, every time we met, he played this song. And I just remember hearing it over and over and over. And my mind began to shift of going, I want God's peace. And this is how I get it. So I need to start changing the way I live my life. This began to change the way I thought. 
And really what this is, it's a garbage in, garbage out principle. We all know this. What you put into your mind, it enters into your heart and comes out in your life. It's that simple. What you put into your mind, what you allow into your mind, enters into your heart. And it will come out in your life somehow. 100% of the time, listen to these words from King Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, who wrote three books of the Bible in the Old Testament. This is what he says, Proverbs 4.23. He says, guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life. Above all else, if there's anything you do, guard your heart. Why? Because it determines the course of your life. How do you guard your heart? By guarding your mind. By being careful what you think about. By being careful what you put into and allow into your mind. And I'll just tell you how I've learned how to do this. Part of my journey. And some of you are going to think I'm a total prude. That's just what you're just going to go, really? You do that? Yeah, I do this. I don't see movies with any type of nudity or overtly sexual themes or imagery. I just don't. I rarely see rated R movies. And there's some good movies I really want to see. But I do the research. I read the reviews. I talk to people that have seen it. And if there's stuff in there that I don't want in my mind, I won't see it. I just say, no, I don't need the entertainment. I don't want that bouncing around in my brain. Why? Because I want to protect my heart. I don't want the imagery and the language that movies create to cloud my mind and enter into my heart and bring impurity into my life. I don't, I don't listen to music that has foul language or sings about overtly um, sexual or hate-filled thoughts. I just don't. If they're bleeping out words, I'm not listening to it. It's not like, oh, they bleep it out. I still sing them in my head, right? Yeah. I just look at it and say, man, if, if the world, okay, the world that doesn't care about God or godly things, if the world rates a movie R, if, if, if the world is going to restrict a movie, what business do I have seeing it? Do I need it? Is it helpful? If the world is bleeping out words in a song because they're too bad to play publicly, <laughs> do I need to be listening to it? It's, it's, it's that simple. So I don't. I have safeguards on my computer and smartphone that reports to my wife. It sends an email to her if I look at anything questionable. Because I don't want that in my mind. Why? Because it enters into my heart and it comes out in my life. And I don't want that anywhere near me. I want the blessings of God in my life. Why do I do that? To guard my heart. Now on the flip side, I spend time multiple mornings a week in God's word. I read books that are about spiritual things. I meditate and pray daily and I talk with God. And and I find that my thought life, when it's pure, I'm able to hear God's voice. I just am. If I dwell on God's word, I think differently about my life. You know, when I read this every day, I'm reminded that, gosh, God loves me. I'm reminded that Jesus gave his life for me. I don't have to earn his approval. I'm already approved. I don't have to worry about where I'm going to go when I die. That's already answered I don't have to worry about God showing up in my life because I know that because I'm focusing my mind on his words and he speaks into every area of our life, I know that if I read this, it's going to change the way I think. And by changing the way I think, it's going to change the way that I live. Can you imagine your life if you daily fixed your thoughts on godly things, how much that might change the actions and the way you go about your life? That's why I say get in God's word every day. Focuses your thoughts. Focuses your thoughts. Just takes control of your mind. Um, gets you focused on things above, not things down below. So that's step one. Uh, the next the three are going to be pretty quick. Step two, um, when you do step one, you begin to discover what pleases God. 
Ephesians 5.10, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Carefully, with put effort into knowing what God wants you to do. Determine, research, find out, pursue, listen to podcasts, read the Bible, go to church. Good job, you're here. Wait, wait, well done. Well done. Determine what pleases God. What pleases him? He just says living in purity pleases him because it's ultimately for his glory, but it's also for our benefit. God's word speaks into every single area of our life. Do you know how to please God? Do you know what God wants you to do to gain his favor, to unlock his blessings by fixing your mind on the things of God? Step one, you can start beginning to discover what pleases God and realize areas of your life that need to change. Step two. Now, once you've done one and two, you're ready for step three, and this is a really hard one, and that is this. It's expose the darkness. It's expose the darkness. Ephesians 5, 11 through 14 says, take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It's shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret, but their evil intentions will be exposed when the light shines on them, for the light makes everything visible. What does it mean to take no part? It means just avoid evil. When you see something that's not right, run the other way. For the light makes everything visible. Paul is challenging us. He's saying, he's saying um, bring that which is in the dark into the light. He's asking us to consider the parts of our life that are hidden that we're afraid to stack up against God's word, bring those out into the light. Expose them before it is exposed. And this is what I always tell people. What is done in in private will always show up in public eventually. 100% of the time, what is done in private will show up in public. And I can just name, I can name 20 famous people that what they were doing in private eventually worked out into their public life. And it will happen in you and me. Why? Because what's in our mind enters into our heart and comes out in our life. So we need to expose the darkness. This is where accountability comes into play. If you ever want to get serious about purity in your life, it's going to require that you tell someone else about the darkness that's in you. And when you shine light on it, it makes everything visible, which is a little bit uncomfortable. But let me just tell you, it's one thing to know the areas of darkness in your life. It's quite another to expose them. But yet scripture tells us if you want to live a pure life, confess your sins to one another. That way you can support one another. Expose your darkness to another person and find accountability. Ask them for help. For some of you in here, guess what? You've got number one and number two. You, you have accepted Christ and, you, and, and you have, you're hearing from him and you've already determined what's going to please him, but you haven't been able to put it in action in your life. It's because you don't have accountability. You haven't exposed the darkness yet. You, you can't gain victory without exposing the darkness with another person to help you. I'll just tell you the biggest victories in my life over the stuff that I have hidden in my life um, when it comes to purity is when I've exposed it to somebody else and just taken this crazy step of going, can I just tell you something that this might totally change the way you think about me, but I need somebody to know and God's telling me to talk to you has led to victory, to actual purity in my life. Now, until you take steps one, two, and three, um, you really can't get to step four. But once you take ones, two, and three, and you get to step four, you can actually live out God's word. You can start living out God's word. I love this, this verse, Ephesians 5, 15. So be careful how you live. Be careful how you live. Follow the wisdom of those around you. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. And God says the ways of the world are foolish, but the ways of the wise are righteous. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but live like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't mindlessly follow the ways of the world, but understand what God wants you to do, and then do it. Put into practice what you know. Decide that you're going to live 
God's way every day of your life in every area. Live a life of complete, complete purity. Live it out. How do we do that? This is the secret to Christian living. I'm about to give you the secret to Christian living because I know some of you are going, I just got to try harder. I got to really just, mm, I can do this. Like, I'm, I'm going to be better. Like, that's kind of what we do. And let me just tell you, um, step, without step five, you can't do it. You'll fail 100% of the time. And I just tell you because I've failed 100% of the time when I've tried to do it on my own strength. The only way to do this, step five, is rely on God's help. You cannot live a pure life without the help of the Holy Spirit inside of you. It is not possible. You don't have enough strength to swim upstream in a downstream culture. Can't do it. I've watched hundreds of people try. I've watched thousands of people try over the last 20 plus years to swim upstream on their own strength and not get caught by the current of our culture. And 100% of the time they've failed. And they've failed because they've tried to do it by trying harder and working really hard. And all you got to know is that you can't do this without God's power in you. You know, Jesus says that when you accept him, that he sends his Holy Spirit to live in you, to give you a supernatural power to do what you cannot do naturally. Ephesians 5, 8, and 9, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. And that is a big but. But now you have light from the Lord. I like big buts. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> All right, that's a joke. I don't listen to that stuff anymore, remember? That was 90s. Paul's just saying, look, you once were just full of darkness in your life. But now you have light from the Lord, the light of God's spirit in you, the power of the Holy Spirit. So live, put it into action as people of the light. For this light within you, the Holy Spirit produces only what is good and right and true. Meaning what? You don't have to produce purity in your life. You just have to partner with the Holy Spirit and God will produce it. His Spirit in you will produce purity in your life, will lead you down paths of purity. And I've said this before, I'm just telling you, I know me. And without God, there's nothing good that comes out of me. In fact, without God, even the good that comes out of me has an ulterior motive behind it because I'm human. But gosh, with God, I look at my life, I can't believe the good that comes out of my life. And it's not me. I don't produce it. God produces it in me. So I lean into him. Galatians 5.24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and, the, and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Holy Spirit. The Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Not only does God call you and I to purity, he promises to help us. And that's what I love. He's like, he wants to bless us. He says, I'll give you the power to do it. I'll help you do it. And I'll bless you. It's like, what a great dad, right? It's like, hey, wash my car. Here's $1,000. You know, you're like, wow, why'd you give me $1,000? Because I love you. You're my son. God's just like, hey, here, look. Ask me for purity, for help. I'll give it to you. And then I'll bless you. That's what good father does. All right, before I give you step six, which isn't on PowerPoint, um, I'm going to invite the ushers up. We're going to receive our offering. For those of you that are new here, let the basket go by. We're not interested in your money. We're just glad you're here. Um, for those of you that call Kensington home, this is where we give back to God from what he's blessed us with. Um, and this is also, for those of you, a time where, for those of you that give online, thank you for being a part of regularly giving. And if you want to ever give online, you can set up recurring giving online at supersimplekensingtonorlando.org. give It's the easiest and simplest way to give, but thank you for those that do that. But here's the deal. 
I'll, I'll, I'll end with this before we just have a really cool experience for you over the next few moments. Um, step six, which isn't on PowerPoint here, when you do steps one through five, step six is you experience God's blessings in your life. And I'll just, let me just run down a little bit. God says if we handle our finances the way that he says to, there are blessings in store for us in that area. Who doesn't want financial blessings? All of us do. Some of us are giving up our lives for financial blessings. God says, do it my way. Let me bless you. And I can bless better than your job can. God says if we enter into marriage the way he designed it, there are blessings in store for us in that area. I haven't met a person that doesn't want a lifelong marriage. God says, let me show you how to get there, and then I'll bless you when you do it. God says if we parent the way he wants us, there are blessings in store for us in that area that our kids will be blessed because we are actually pursuing the way he wants us to parent. God says if we pursue purity in our life, we will see him regularly work in our life. Who doesn't want God to show up in their life on a daily basis? If we seek, we'll find. If we knock, the door will be open. And chances are, I'll just say during this message, there's an area of your life. I'll just say during this message over the last 15, 20 minutes, maybe 25 or 30. My guess is that there's an area of your life, um, or maybe a few that have come to mind, that you know need some attention. That God is saying they need some attention. And and rather than leave you with that, with what I have to say, we want you to hear from God. We've created a, what we call a listening prayer experience. And it's just kind of based on this. God wants to talk to you every day. The problem is very rarely do we stop and listen. Very rarely do we give him time to talk. And so we want to carve out about five minutes out of our service. And Laura Korn, she's one of my friends, um, she actually helped start this campus, uh, this, well, this church eight years ago. We started as a campus of Kensington. She helped us start eight years ago. But she's going to walk us through about a five-minute exercise of learning to listen for God's voice. And so I want you to grab the pen that you have and the piece of paper that you have. And really the point of this exercise, and she's going to lead you through it, is to write down what God says to you. And this is where, for those of you that aren't Christians, you might be going, what is he talking about? Um, let me just tell you, God wants to talk to you. Even you, you might not even know him. He wants to speak to you today. And I want you to grab a pen, and I want you to just expect that God might say something to you that, that is, is new, that is fresh, that is different. And as Laura leads, I want you to just do what she asks you to do. When she closes her eyes, close your eyes. When she tells you to write something down, write it down, whatever comes to mind. And let's listen for God's voice together. And then we're going to sing a song um, that just kind of sing it over you that speaks into um, our relationship with God. We believe that God speaks to us in a lot of ways. And some of us might believe that God speaking to us must be this loud, big voice. But we believe that God's creative and can speak to us through thoughts, sounds, even pictures. And so then today when we try to hear from him, listen for him in a way that makes sense to you. And so let's just take a moment and pray and ask God what he wants us to know. God, thank you that you love us and that you desire to have a relationship with us. And today we want to hear from you, Lord. And I pray that you help us to hear you and understand you in a way that makes sense to us, Lord. And so with your eyes closed, let's ask God what he wants us to know. So God, is there an area in my life that's not good for me? that you want me to remove so I can have a closer relationship with you.
Maybe you saw a picture or you heard a song or maybe a memory came to mind. Whatever it is, write it down. So God, what do you want us to know about what we just heard or saw? So whatever God has revealed to you, I want you to picture yourself holding it in your hands. And now visualize Jesus. And take what you're holding in your hands and give it to him. So what is Jesus doing with what you just gave him? God, now that we've handed over these areas of our life to you, what truths do you want us to know moving forward as we pursue a relationship with you? God, thank you so much for speaking to us today. Thank you that you love us and care for us. And I pray that we would hold on to the truths that you've spoken to us and that we would completely surrender those things that we've given to you and not take them back. And I pray against discouragement for those who might have struggled to hear you today. And I pray that they know that you're near them, that you love them and that you're for them. So God, thank you that you love us and that you desire to have a relationship with us. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.